Hello, and welcome to This Week Explained. I am Tiana. And I'm Kervin. And today we will be discussing the big geopolitical events of the week. But first, let's talk about how our week has been. Well, we had what? Well, it was Valentine's Day this week, and we had an excellent Valentine's Day. Would you like to explain to everyone? (laughs) We put on PJ pants and watched a bunch of stupid movies and ate hamburgers or something. I don't remember what we ate. What did we eat? What did we eat? I don't know. Did we? I, I did, did you cook? Did we order something? Uh, no, I don't remember. Uh, we didn't cook because our kid was on a date, so I didn't cook anything. I didn't even bother cooking. <laughs> That's what happens when you've been married for so long. Actually, we've never cared about Valentine's Day, so. Yeah, and there was other stuff in the world going on, which yeah, we will get oh, into. Yeah, we, to, we were focusing on the planet. <laughs> Not romance. <laughs> but um, so I guess we need to dive into what has been going on. So what is on your radar this week? Well, we're going to discuss uh, everything that's happened between Russia and Ukraine over this past week, which there's a lot to get into. Uh, there was also, uh, speaking of that, there was a uh, denial of service that happened across multiple Ukrainian websites. Uh, and those are government websites. There was a um, conservative financial website, Zero Hedge, which was outed as Russian propaganda. Um, Estonia released an international security report for the region. There were two, there was a naval engineer and his wife who pled guilty to sharing U.S. nuclear sub secrets. Uh And then this week's History's Mysteries, uh, staying along the same lines of the great. Uh, black and African-American spies. Contribution. Uh, we have another great, great story yeah. of Mary Bowser, and we'll get into that later on. Okay, so um, let's get right into it. Russia versus Ukraine. What do you have for us? Well, the uh, the reporting from various intelligence agencies spoke of a February 16th invasion date. Uh, well, that date has officially come and gone, and to probably not my surprise or your or your surprise Tiana since I've been talking about it nonstop for months mm-hmm. um, there was no invasion on that date mm-hmm. so we have been adamant from the very beginning that an invasion date will coincide with the end of the Olympics so both Putin and Chinese President Xi met during the opening ceremonies of the Winter Olympics and while the details of their conversation have not been released there was some speculation that Putin had informed Xi of an impending invasion that would happen during the Olympics uh, if that conversation did in fact happen it looks as if Xi requested that Putin delay his plans for invasion of Ukraine until after the Olympics now in true Putin fashion. Uh, Russia said it is withdrawing some of its forces from the area close to the Ukrainian border after completing military drills while mocking Western intelligence agencies for naming February 16th as the date of a Russian invasion of its neighbor. Now, let's be clear. Uh, This is not a game of chess or even 3D chess or 4D chess. This is geopolitics at its finest. Western intelligence agencies, to include private intelligence agencies like us, Oakland Analytics, uh, will continue to release information with the sole purpose of thwarting an attack by Russian military. What Russia will continue to do is mock those agencies until all integrity is lost and then invade under a false flag operation. Well, 
can you explain fast flag operations and why they are so successful? Yeah, uh, sure. So a false flag operation is an act committed with the intent of disguising the actual source of responsibility and pinning blame on another party. So the term false flag originated in the 16th century as a purely figurative expression to mean a deliberate misrepresentation of someone's affiliation or motives. And how are they successful and how is Russia planning to use it? Well, let's start with how false flag operations have been used in the past. We'll start with the Russo-Swedish War. So Sweden's military uh, was one of the first to use false flags when they attacked Puomala in 1788. I knew this had to be an old story because Sweden does not dip their toes into war lightly. <laughs> yeah, that is that's very true. Uh, not not modern Sweden for yeah, sure. Yeah. So that happened um, along a Swedish outpost on the old Russo-Swedish border. Uh, The group wore fake Russian soldier uniforms made by a local tailor to stage the attack. Uh, The Swedish National Assembly, which until then had refused to agree to a war against Russia, then launched an offensive in retaliation. Uh, Sweden's King Gustav III, who, unlike the Assembly, did not have the authority to launch such an attack, was then able to spark the Russo-Swedish War, which lasted for two years. Mm-hmm. Then we go to the Sino-Japanese War, where Japanese officers fabricated a pretext for invading Manchuria in September 1931 after they blew up a section of railway. So despite the damage being minor and rail services not being disrupted, uh, the Japanese used this uh, incident to seize Manchuria. Japan then made Manchuria into an independent state. Then we go to the uh, Glowitz incident in 1939. German leader Adolf Hitler used false flag tactics in the uh, in the Glowitz incident. During the incident, German attackers posed as Polish soldiers to stage an attack on a radio station in the country. The attack resulted in sections of the German public supporting an invasion of Poland, which provoked World War II. Hitler said just before the invasion of Poland... Its credibility doesn't matter. The victor will not be asked whether he told the truth. Okay, well, that sets up how they have been used in the past. But can you please explain how Russia will use a false flag now in order to justify an invasion of Ukraine? Uh, I sure can. So President Putin is planning to fabricate a pretext for an invasion of Ukraine by creating a graphic propaganda video that would depict a fake attack by Ukraine against Russia. Uh, The prevailing thought is that Russia plans to release a very graphic video, which would include corpses and actors that would be depicting mourners and images of destroyed locations, as well as military equipment at the hands of Ukraine. Now, Ukrainian intelligence agency Inform Napalm has released data on the conduct of secret underwater technical work by the Russian Federation in the area of the Kerch Strait. They received validated information from Crimea that Russia is planning to create uh, casus belli or a situation provoking war to justify aggression against Ukraine. Among the options, the Russian special services are considering carrying out uh, include the Crimean bridge, as well as false videos of Russian civilians being harmed or killed by Ukrainian military. And before uh, we get any further from there, just today, Uh, Early this morning in Ukraine, there was talk of uh, mortar strike on a kindergarten. 
in Ukraine. It injured two teachers. The the students were fine. Uh, But Russian media started a reporting blitz, calling it a Ukrainian mortar that hit uh, this this school, the schoolhouse. What the uh, Bellingcat Intelligence Agency found in their open source intelligence analysis was that the the school was on the Ukrainian side, and the trajectory and distance of the mortar showed that it was from uh, Russian sources. Uh, so the false flag is already getting started. Now, I know what most people are thinking. Intelligence information is supposed to be classified. So why release the information ahead of time? Now, that is another one of your astute observations. Um, And in most cases, we would want to keep this information classified. But I can tell you from personal experience that overt operations as opposed to covert uh, are the best form of de-escalation practices with Russia. Uh, the United States have been in an overt operation to thwart Russian aggression for years now. And the hope is that if the information is released, it helps prevent President Putin from invading countries like Ukraine, Estonia, and Poland. Okay, so um, I already know the answer to this question, but I will ask it anyway in case somebody else wants to know the answer. Have you changed your opinion on if and when Russia could invade Ukraine? No, Chad, I have not. (laughs) And I know you and I, uh, Tiana, had a conversation privately this week as the news was coming out on the possibility of a Russian invasion on the 16th. I remain steadfast. And Chad, we had that conversation with Chad. And And Chad, yes. And I do remain steadfast in my opinion that the invasion will occur after the Olympics. Uh, That timeline is still valid. It will take a complete diplomatic win for Western Europe and the United States to thwart the inevitable invasion. Well, I guess we'll see what happens next week. Um, There was mention of a possible cyber attack as a precursor to the invasion. Did that happen at all this week? Well, you know, that depends on who you ask. So there was an obvious cyber attack on Ukrainian bank websites as well as government websites. Now, it is known in the cybersecurity uh, community as a distributed denial of service attack. Uh, Those attacks lasted for almost 24 hours, and really they could have been worse had the intelligence communities in the U.S., U.K., and Europe not shared the threat with the Ukrainian government and helped plan a cybersecurity reaction to any foreign hacking attempt. Now, even though it was not as successful as intended, the attack was the largest in the history of Ukraine. The internet traffic hitting Ukrainian websites during the DDoS attack was three orders of magnitude more than regularly observed traffic. A Ukrainian intelligence report pointed to Russia's effort to destabilize Ukraine's internal situation by using economic, energy, information, cyber, social, ethnic, and other tools. Now, while it is unknown at the moment whether Russia was involved in the cyber attack, Ukraine has concluded that Russia and Belarus were responsible for a separate cyber attack that hit government websites last month. And similarities in the infrastructure used in this week's attack and the one from last month suggest the incidents could be connected. Okay, well, let's stay in the cyber realm and talk about Russian propaganda. What is going on with the Zero Hedge reports? What a segue. Awesome. 
So uh, U.S. intelligence officials this week accused a conservative financial news website with a significant American readership of amplifying Kremlin propaganda and alleged five media outlets targeting Ukrainians have taken direction from Russian spies. Um, is no one safe from Russian propaganda? I mean, it seems as if the answer to that question is no. None of us are safe. Yeah. Um, now, I'm sure... Everyone not in the conservative financial market is wondering who the hell Zero Hedge is. Um, So it's reportedly a far-right libertarian financial blog that releases staff-written articles and aggregated news and opinions from external sources. In 2009, it released a manifesto on its operations, stating that their mission was to widen the scope of financial, economic, and political information available to the professional investing public to skeptically examine and, where necessary, attack the flaccid institution that financial journalism has become, to liberate oppressed knowledge, to provide analysis uninhibited by political constraint, to facilitate information's unending quest for freedom. Their method goes by the name pseudonymous speech. Uh, They say anonymity is a shield from the tyranny of the majority. It thus exemplifies the purpose behind the Bill of Rights and of the First Amendment in particular to protect unpopular individuals from retaliation and their ideas from suppression at the hand of an intolerant society. The right to remain anonymous may be abused when it shields fraudulent conduct, but political speech by its nature will sometimes have unpalatable consequences and, in general, our society accords greater weight to the value of free speech than to the dangers of its misuse. Okay, that sounds right up your alley, libertarian free speech. So, are Zero Hedge Russian propaganda, or are the officials releasing the information the Russian propaganda? Well, so you kind of remind me of that scene in Ted Lasso, where they're playing darts, you know, and he quotes um, Walt Whitman, which it really wasn't a quote from Walt Whitman, but it's still great, Um says, be curious, not judgmental. And I've known you, Tiana, for what, 17 years? That describes you perfectly. You don't give in to propaganda and you question everything. And I love that. In this situation, it appears Zero Hedge published articles created by Moscow-controlled media that were then shared by outlets and people unaware of their nexus to Russian intelligence. Uh, Zero Hedge denied the claims and said that it tries to publish a wide spectrum of views that cover both sides of a given story. The website went on to say it has never worked, collaborated, or cooperated with Russia, nor are there any links to spy agencies. You know, I kind of believe both. Uh, Sounds like a cop-out, but in researching Russian propaganda for as many years as I have, this is typical of how their agencies work. Now, the, the journalists promoting this report are using it as proof of a far-right pro-Russia conspiracy when the fact is that Russia doesn't care about your political affiliation. Case in point, during the summer protests of 2020, Russian bots were the leading distributors of information pertaining to racial instability in the United States. Many independent journalists were caught in the Russian crosshairs agreeing to write articles about the U.S.'s poor history of race relations that would then go on to provoke more anti-U.S. dialogue. Uh, Russian troll farms reached 140 million Americans a month on Facebook. 
75% of whom had never followed any of the pages. Um, this was before the 2020 election, and they were mainly promoting pages for Christian and black American content. Uh, the Troll Farm pages also combined to form the largest Christian American page on Facebook, 20 times larger than the next largest. Wow. And that reached 75 million U.S. users monthly. Uh, 95% of those users never followed any of the pages. That's wild. Um, so we know with that Christian Facebook pages, those are very conservative yeah. right-wing pages. Yeah. Now, they were also the largest African-American page on Facebook, and it's three times larger than the next largest page. Oh, wow. And it reached 30 million users monthly, 85% of whom had never followed any of the pages. And the they are also a troll farm for the second largest Native American page on Facebook. And it reached 400,000 users monthly. 90% of those never followed the page. And then also the fifth largest women's page on Facebook, which reached 60 million U.S. users monthly, 90% of whom had never followed it. So with all that said, trust no one, verify everything through multi-sourced reporting. Don't let your uncle on Facebook tell you how to think. Luckily, none of my uncles try to <laughs> tell me to think one or the other. Anyways, or you could do this. You could delete your Facebook account and read real news or seek out real news. I wouldn't say. Or your multi-source. Stay with us. Yeah. You know? We're unbiased. We're not getting anything out of this. Nah, we're <laughs> less than nothing out of this. <laughs> so should we get into Estonia security report? Yeah, I think we should. Let's let's talk about what multi-source information you have there. Well, dang. Because uh, I got no multi-source. This is single source Uh-oh. information. So, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Remove it. Don't listen to anything yeah. he says about Estonia now. Well, I would say that es- the Estonian security agencies have uh, done their due diligence. We've been to Estonia. It's a fun time. We got really lost, but that's a story for another day. Uh, They were very nice people, though. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, Estonia is reporting that Russian forces concentrated on the Ukrainian border pose an immediate threat to Ukraine, and there's an ultimatum to the West. So by the, the second half of February 2022... Russia has created the conditions and capabilities necessary to launch a large-scale military offensive against Ukraine if the Russian leadership so decides. Also, Russia's military capabilities and readiness continue to grow. And as always, I'm going to link the report in the show notes uh, so that you can see how we got to where we are with Russia and Ukraine. So it is quite an enlightening read. Did they say anything about Russia's intelligence operations? Well, I am glad you asked that question. So the report states Russia's intelligence centers do not only work against countries bordering Russia, but also gather information on other European nations. Uh, Russia's intelligence centers recruit people with access to classified information, obviously, but they also recruit ordinary citizens uh, to have them observe sites of interest to the Russian intelligence or carry out other mundane tasks. So my warning to everyone is, once again, verify the information someone is saying. And while we shouldn't be branding every opposing opinion as Russian disinformation, we should also not take every piece of information at face value. Always verify the information or come here. I promise 
uh, as opposed to the Estonia story, <laughs> I will verify the information before releasing it to our community. Well, I'm going to hold you to that. And I thank you very much for that. I really do appreciate you holding me accountable. So, so in light of that information, what new information do you have about the recent conviction of the accused naval engineer spy? Well, a Navy nuclear engineer and his wife, who live in nearby Annapolis, which is in Maryland, were arrested in October on charges of trying to pass secrets to a foreign government. Uh, This week, the couple pled guilty to the charges. They were reported to have divulged thousands of pages of documents with schematic designs, operating parameters, and performance characteristics about a nuclear-powered cruise missile fast attack submarine, known in the U.S. Navy as the Virginia class of submarines. The crime of of conspiring to communicate restricted data to a person with the intent to injure the U.S. or provide an advantage to a foreign nation carries a maximum penalty of life in prison. Investigators learned of the plot the the couple's sales pitch was forwarded to the FBI. The agency set up a sting operation that allegedly caught the couple going to dead drop sites within driving distance from their home. Do we know what country they were trying to sell their secrets to? I'm sure the FBI knows, but I don't know at this time. And I will not even speculate as it appears their quote unquote foreign handlers were in fact FBI agents. Well, that's not too smart, guys. So how long could they be in jail? Well, if they went to trial and were convicted, they could be sentenced to life in prison. However, the husband has agreed to plead guilty, and the plea bargain could limit jail time to 15 years. That's still a decent amount of time. Yeah, you know, crime doesn't pay, people. Okay. I didn't know. Thank you for... (laughs) I mean, I was thinking about it. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Let's talk about this week's Histories Mysteries. I love this series. In case Uh, anyone's wondering. In case I haven't made my pleasure very clear. Let us do that. So, in keeping with our monthly theme of Black History, we have another incredible story of a slave spying on individuals that helped win a war. This week, we discuss Mary Jane Richards, also known as Mary Bowser, who was a Union spy during the Civil War. She was probably born enslaved from birth in Virginia, but there's no documentation of where she was born or who her parents were. Then what exactly do we know about her? Uh, Today, as growing interest in African-American women's history has brought increased attention to Mary Bowser, what circulates often remains distorted at best and patently false at worst. But what we do know is Mary Richards Bowser was born into slavery, later became a missionary to Liberia, then a Union spy in the Confederate White House during the American Civil War, and a teacher at a Freedmen's School. Now, as a child, she was owned by the Van Lu family of Richmond. Uh, Elizabeth Van Lu, who had arranged for her to be educated in the North and provided her with de facto freedom prior to the war, ran a pro-Union intelligence ring in which Bowser played an important role. Historians have corroborated the intelligence activities that included uh, smuggling information to and from Union military leaders positioned outside the city, providing supplies to Union soldiers held prisoner within the Confederate capital, and aiding prisoners to escape, as well as disrupting Confederate military and government operations. Now, free blacks and slaves were integral participants in the pro-Union underground. 
Although the precise contribution of individual African Americans remain difficult to discern, now Bowser's involvement can be tracked through different sources. In the years immediately following the Civil War, Bowser recounted her own espionage, claiming to have clandestinely entered the Rebel Senate while in secret session. She helped capture Confederate officers and contraband tobacco in Fredericksburg, aided Union soldiers being held prisoner, and met with the provost marshal appointed by Union forces following the fall of Richmond, as well as spying within the Confederate White House. Bowser gained her freedom with the fall of the Confederacy in April 1865, as did millions of other African Americans. After the war, she traveled north once to give a series of talks about her antebellum and wartime experiences. She used different pseudonyms as a lecturer, likely an indication of how dangerous she perceived life to continue to be for any blacks regarded as having contributed to the Confederate defeat. In an article by the Anglo-African, details emerged of her condemnation of how Union soldiers stationed in Richmond after the fall of the Confederacy harassed African-Americans, and her sharp criticism of Northern blacks, whom she felt were overly concerned with fashion and social status rather than education and social service. She is considered the most fabled and most elusive of the African-American participants purported to have been part of Richmond's Union Underground, and her full story will most likely remain elusive as generations have passed since her spying activities. But make no mistake, Mary Bowser was the most impressive spy, not black spy, not woman spy, not black woman spy, (laughs) of her era, the most impressive spy, and her spying led to many Union victories during the American Civil War. That's incredible. Thank you for sharing that. I really I, lo- I love that when you research that. Stuff. I love her story. But um, before we do our typical wrap up, um, I just want to say that we are going to start putting the um, what is it called the. The show notes. Well, not just the show notes. We are going to put a transcript of everything that we talk about today in our podcast. That way you can read it because we understand some people are more visual than audio. So, Yeah, definitely. And and Tiana has taken on that task and she's going to get that up there hopefully on Saturdays. No, it's it's tomorrow. It'll be on up on tomorrow. Friday. Yeah. I'm oh, up okay. Yeah. Awesome. It'll be up tomorrow at the same time that the podcast is released. We'll have our transcript up, so you can read it if you would prefer that. Because we understand that there are people who prefer reading their news as opposed to hearing my screechy voice deliver it to you. So, <laughs> is there anything else for this week? Or uh, there? No, there's there's nothing else. But I do want to thank you for uh, for bringing that up. I had forgotten about that. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. No worries. As always, if you like this show, please try to tell at least one person about us. We can be found wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, head over to Apple or Spotify and give us a five-star review because those help us get noticed by thousands of podcast listeners globally. And as always, if you would like in-depth coverage of these stories and more, please subscribe to our community at oquinanalytics.com. Tiana, thank you so much. And until next week, stay safe out there.